welcome to Planting Freedom. This is the place where you'll get to journey with a small group of people from Northport, Alabama. This group is a part of a team that is working together towards a common goal. Now, while our ultimate goal may be the same, we're all very different. We have different personalities, different jobs, and we're all at different stages in our lives. But here, you'll get to hear some of our hopes and dreams, some of our fears, some of our triumphs, but most importantly, you'll get to hear our hearts. My hope and prayer is that through this podcast, you'll be able to journey with us as we seek God's direction in pursuing our ultimate goal together. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Planting Freedom. We're glad that you've joined us for episode number five, and I am pretty excited about this one. So far, you've heard from me about my apprenticeship at Hope Church in Las Vegas. You've heard my story to becoming a church planter, and you've heard from Lindsay Thomas and the Easter family about their journey to becoming a part of this team as well. Today, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to talk to the pastor of my sending church, John Jenkins. I'm excited for you all to get to hear John's heart for church planting and for reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. John has a unique perspective on this whole journey because it was John who felt led to plant churches after partnering with many other church plants in the past. So to get us started, John, I want to welcome you and say thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. And why don't you tell us uh, a little about yourself and your family? I'd love to. And I'm just glad you gave me this opportunity to just share a little bit. But just a little bit about me, uh, I have a family, of course. I have a wife. Her name is Paige. And actually, this month, we'll be married 25 years. So that is amazing to me that now I've been married longer than I was single. But that is just the way life goes, I guess. But we've had just a wonderful, great life together. And that we means are you blessed. were married, by the way, when I was two. Yeah, don't talk about that. But that is <laughs> reality. But <laughs> it's kind of scary. <laughs> but we have been married a long time. I can't believe it's 25 years. It seems like maybe like five years, but time flies, I guess, when you're having fun. But we have been married 25 years, and we have also have three girls. So we're blessed with three daughters. I have a daughter, 16, named Hallie, a daughter, 14, named Corinne, and then our youngest daughter just turned nine, and her name is Maddie Kate. So it's always fun in my house. A bunch of women, right? Uh, all women, and so... It's drama all the time, but uh, I love it. So you were we in in previous podcasts. I've I've shared with the with our listeners about um, sort of my journey from from Gardendale to Kingsland, and that's where um, I really got to know you. I mean, I I knew you a little bef- before that, but I really got to know you then in Kingsland, and then you made a transition to. Northport. So, but even before that, you were in missions. And I think that's kind of where this all starts for you, uh, at least is in missions and working in that area. So, will you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Like, what was that experience for you? I mean, you did what, 15 years uh, in missions? Yeah, close to it. Crazy. I guess when you were two, or when you were growing <laughs> up anyway, I was at Gardendale. And I spent several years there and uh, even through seminary. But then God allowed me to be the missions pastor there. And that really, that experience changed my life, and it really changed my call to ministry. I mean, I knew I was called to ministry, and I'd been to seminary. I knew what God had laid on my heart. But I really, 
and my limited mindset just thought ministry was kind of pastoring or youth pastoring or different things like that. And so I just thought that I would eventually become a pastor and preach. And I really had a limited view of the kingdom. And when I started doing missions at Gardendale, it just changed my whole perspective of the kingdom of God. And not only what God was doing around the world, but really just how big God is. And it's just amazing to think about 7 billion people in the world and God loving them all and having a heart for them all and using us, His people, His followers, to try to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it just changed my whole perspective. And even in church planning, changed my perspective because I believe that the way we're going to reach the world with the gospel is through churches. I don't believe it's through individuals. I believe it's through churches, and I believe it's through churches that are working and partnering together. And if we can get that mindset in the church rather than being splintered and fractioned, we'll actually do what God has called us to do. Mm. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I really felt like the Lord lined us up in Kingsland and and then again at Northport because you had this vision for, you know, starting to change the world um, with the gospel of Jesus through planting churches. So what was your, when you came to Northport, what was your vision? What was it that God gave you, God put on your heart for Northport in the area of, of church planting? Well, one of the, I mean, really the calls to Northport when he called me here to pastor originally was just the proximity to the University of Alabama and just really the unlimited potential that the university has, not only in just mass numbers of people and students, but also the diversity of students that are at the university and just the number of nations that are represented on that campus. And you start looking at the potential of that, and you start looking at the potential of those kids and those students to reach the world with the gospel. It's just unlimited, and it's mind-boggling what they could do, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. If yeah. we can get students there the gospel, and then we can send them out all over the world as missionaries and church planners, they can reach the world a lot better yeah. than, like me, a white boy from Boaz, Alabama, is ever going to reach the world. And so it's just multiplying yourself. And I believe the same thing with churches. We just got to multiply ourselves. Yeah. So the idea is five churches in 10 years. So for Northport Northport to multiply itself uh, into these church plants. So what is that process? I mean, I know. I know the answer because I've been a part of it for two and a half years. But for those listening that may be interested, what, what does that process look like? So how do you go from, you know, I'm the pastor of this church to now we're going to plant a church? I mean, you know, I, and I've shared my story here in, in the first couple of, of episodes about me coming there for two years. But what does it look like now that, that I'm gone um, and, and we're going to plant the first one? Um, what does that mean for the next church plant? How does that come about? Well, our model is a little bit different than probably most sending churches model. I really want whoever we send out as a church planner, I want them to have our DNA and our heart rather than me just going and finding really a church planner off the street and hoping we line up. If I have somebody that's on our staff for a couple of years, at least a minimum, then I'm able to pour into them and know who they are. And hopefully they're pouring back into us and they're building relationships with families here so that others will go with them. And so, of course, you, Chris, was our first and he came in as our college pastor. And that's kind of our model, trying to hit the potential of the university. So our college pastor here at Northport is also our kind of church planner in residence. And so our heart for that position is 
that we have someone here in that position for a minimum of two years, and then we send them out. So, Chris, we just sent out. And so right now we're actually in the process of looking for our next guy who's going to be our college pastor and next church planner. And then we're just trying to replicate that every two years, and that's kind of where the five churches in ten years comes from. And really, in all honesty, hopefully that is just a start. And right. my hope and faith in that is when we take that first step of obedience, God just opens the floodgates and gives us more, many more. But even if we are limited to, which I don't believe we are, but even if we are just limited to, to the five churches in 10 years, I mean, just still think about the multiplication effect. If those five churches we plant would just do the same thing and plant five more churches themselves. Right. I mean, you're multiplying churches. And so we can grow the kingdom much faster that way than if I'm just trying to grow the kingdom of God here in Northport, Alabama, and trying to get as many people in the seats of our church as possible. I mean, that's adding numbers by addition. But if we can add by multiplication, it just changes everything from a kingdom perspective. Yeah, and I like that so much. That's been one of the things that I've said, hey, that's what we're going to strive to do from day one is be a church that plants churches and so the multiplication effect still takes place, um, not just from Northport, but even from the church that we plant uh, in Phoenix or Buckeye specifically. But speaking of, why why Phoenix? I mean, of course I know, and I've shared a little bit here, but for you, what was the draw you know, to Phoenix to, to plant a church there? Well, I mean, multiple draws, honestly. But number one, the process started with where we wanted to be a sending church for North American Mission Board. So we just started with all their sin cities. And then really narrowed them down to three and then eventually to two. And those last two cities that we were praying through and looking at were Denver and Phoenix. And, of course, we wanted to follow the Holy Spirit's leading in that. So visited both cities and just met people and saw the cities. And, I mean, really when we got to Phoenix, I just kind of knew, and I think you did too, Chris, but we just knew that's where God was leading. But one part of it was actually practical too because I know that – we're sending people from the Southeast and a Southern culture. And when you send people out, you want them to stay. We want longevity with the people we send out. And just from a practicality standpoint, Phoenix was a lot more in a line with us culturally, plus economically. It was about, from a cost of living standpoint, very similar to what Tuscaloosa would be, the Tuscaloosa area. And so I thought it would be a much easier transition for our people who are moving from Northport Baptist Church to wherever in North America. I thought it would be a lot easier transition for them in Phoenix than it would probably anywhere else on the West Coast, especially Denver West. And you hit California and up the West Coast towards Washington and Oregon. Cost of living is much more expensive and the cultures are so much different where Phoenix was just much more in alignment with us. And I thought it would just be a much better fit for us culturally. You know, I thought you and I went to uh, Denver together. And when we went, I remember thinking, wow, it's going to take us a long time to adjust. You know, this is where we come. Just so different. A bunch of good old boys and girls from Alabama. And culturally, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's how I see it too. It's It's such a closer fit for us than Denver that I really believe will make a greater impact because we'll acclimate quicker 
where another church from maybe the Northeast or even Northwest that plants in Denver would make a much bigger impact than we could because they're not having to really acclimate themselves to the, the culture. So oh, no I just think it works. And I've, and I've seen it in international missions as well. I mean, when we send missionaries from wherever, especially deep South, and we're sending those missionaries to China or Indonesia or wherever we send them, it is a long process from a cultural perspective to acclimate into the culture and learn language and just learn customs and everything else. So it's much more practical, like using the University of Alabama or wherever, if we can win a Chinese student and send them back, they're an instant missionary. Right. my hope is the same for us in Phoenix. I know we won't be instant there, but it's just so much easier culturally to just kind of integrate there from the South and anywhere else in the West. And I'm impatient, so I just want to see it move quick. And I know God's a lot more patient than I am, but I just thought it would be much more beneficial for us in the beginning. Now, I wasn't sure about Phoenix for a while, A, because it's hot as crap in Phoenix. But, you know, we went to Denver and that was fun and we... Gosh, you remember how many uh, marijuana dispensaries we saw? That's not what this is about. But there were more pot shops than there are Starbucks in a major city. Um, That's crazy. But then we went to to Phoenix together, and I I thought this would be a good time to share because I wasn't sure if this was a sign from God or what, you know, that we shouldn't go. Um, So John and I were getting ready to fly to – I don't remember why we were going, but we were going to Phoenix to do something. and We were going to pick the city. We had picked Phoenix, but now we were picking a suburb or an area of Phoenix to plant. Okay, yeah, praying through the different neighborhoods. And our flight had been delayed. We were sitting together. I remember our seats were together, and then there were issues with our flights. And so you rebooked us, and we ended up being 11 or 12 rows apart, and we both had – uh, middle seats. Nobody had an aisle or window. And I, I hate that. I think you do too. But yep. So we're both in middle seats. You're 11 or 12 rows ahead of me. And uh, <laughs> I'm so I'm sitting by this. Uh, there's a, a Chinese man on my right and an overweight man on my left. And he talked to me the whole time. The whole flight would not shut up. And so I'm looking at him, you know, to my left for four hours sitting on this plane. And we're almost there. And I got to feeling lightheaded and Um, just really hot and started sweating and just, I could tell I was pale. And uh, all of a sudden I thought, I'm going to throw up. And so I started to, and then I stopped myself and thought, yeah, if I could just get out in the aisle and lay down, I'll be okay. And then all of a sudden here it came and I covered my mouth with my hand. And that was sort of like a backboard of a basketball goal. And when I threw up, Oh, it shot all over that Chinese man's legs and the (laughs) seat in front of me, I was covered in puke. So it's funny because, John, you had no clue this was happening from a few rows. The only thing I hear is we have a medical emergency on the plane, so we're going to (laughs) be landing hot. And we did. I've never got to the gate as fast in my life, and I've flown on a lot of airplanes. But we were at the gate in like two minutes. And so I'm sitting there. They told us, oh, hey, y'all sit still. We got to get the person that has a medical emergency off the plane. So I'm just sitting there. Paramedics fled the plane. And I'm still sitting there. And then uh, out of the corner of my eye, I see Chris walking by. And I was like, was he sitting next to a dude that had a heart attack? What's he In sitting? different What's clothes, by the way. I wasn't yeah, wearing the same thing. <laughs> and so then this, the flight attendant comes up to me and says, hey, do you know him? And I went, no, I don't know him. I don't have a clue who that is. <laughs> She said, yeah, he said, you're his boss. I said, yeah, I guess I am, unfortunately. <laughs> and so then I had to get off the plane with you and everybody's staring at me as we go and sit right there, right off the gate. And as they do take your vitals, 
but it was a good story after the fact. Yeah, I thought then that was the Lord saying no. And, you know, honestly, <laughs> I thought to myself, I'm going to give that man some cash for his jeans, you know, that I've and I it had he had chunks of seafood on him. And I, I, I cannot know I imagine how bad he smelled because you stunk the whole week <laughs> we were there. You were awful. So I can't imagine how bad he smelled. I needed to pay him, but I couldn't make eye contact with him. So I just <laughs> let it go. <laughs> I hope you never see him again. Oh, me. All right. So it ended up being Phoenix puke and all, but uh, Phoenix for us. But the question is, will it be the same city? Will all five churches be planted in Phoenix? Yes, our first five will be. Now, after that, who knows? But my heart for that is I think that's wisdom. I think it's good for us here at Northport to have a city to focus on. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about Phoenix and just the vast amount of growth and just how it's right. just the fastest growing city in America from a large city metro standpoint. And just the vastness there of lostness is amazing. So I think it's good for us to have a city that we pray over and we focus on and we're trying to reach with the gospel. But I also think it's good for the churches we plant there because as you are our first plant, basically, then when we plant our next church, you're already established. You can pour into them, mentor them, send people to them. And right. hopefully that's your first church plant in a couple of years. You'll be your first church plant will be our net first, our second church plant. And so yeah. it just kind of is a network that way. And I just think it's a lot of wisdom there of doing the same city. Plus, I think we can make a bigger impact together than we can separate again. And so I think we can make a bigger impact in Phoenix with five churches and maybe more if our churches that plant churches plant in the same city than we can if we're kind of shotgunned all over the North America. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've talked with people who sort of think that's crazy, you know, when they say, what, we're going to plant all in the same city. But in reality, if we look at the numbers of not even the whole Tuscaloosa uh, metro area, but just Northport, the number of churches there versus people. And then you look at the number of people in Phoenix, five and a half million there are not many churches. There, oh, there's yeah. no way that those five churches that Northport plants is going to be able to encompass all of Phoenix. It's going to take more. It's going to take us multiplying too. So I, I think it's smart. Oh, it's to be bazillions. Uh, I mean, to just it's just to keep up with population growth. I mean, right now we're not even keeping up with the population growth, much less touching the population that was already there before the growth rate hit. Right. So, and again, this kind of goes back. I mean, to guard my Gardendale days and international missions. At that point. The International Mission Board was really pushing churches to adopt unreached people groups. And so we did that, and we've done it here at Northport. But, I mean, if you adopt an unreached people group, the goal is to reach that people group with the gospel. Well, you right. can't do that doing one mission trip a year or praying one time a year or whatever you do, sending a little money here or there. You've got to go all in. And so that's kind of how I look at Phoenix. I mean— that's our unreached people group. And so we're all in and we're trying to reach that city with the gospel and do whatever we can to do that. Well, so with that being said, what, what, what would you consider as the pastor of the sending church, the guy that's mentored me and, and really trained me and prepared me? What do you say success looks like for a church plant? Yeah. And that, and honestly, that's a moving target, <laughs> but yeah. here's how I view success from a church plant. Number one, you're reaching lost, and you're actually going into darkness. You're taking light there, and you're making an impact in lostness in the city you're in. And then you're multiplying yourself. And so I think if we have church plants that multiply themselves and plant other churches, 
then that is success. And I know that's probably yeah. a simplistic view, but it's all about multiplication for the kingdom and for churches. Well, and I don't know that, you know, there is a need to overcomplicate it because, and, and you know, it's interesting to hear the way you see success. But, of course, after working with you for, for so many years, I, I know what is a success for you. But I agree that, I mean, if we're reaching people with the gospel, then it's, that's why we're doing it. You know, that's the whole reason that, that we're moving to Buckeye, Arizona, somewhere where I never in a million years thought I would live, is to reach people with the gospels and to make believers, to make disciples. So that's exciting. Uh, it's exciting for me. I know it's exciting for you and for Northport. But what about those that that might listen? I know I, know I have a lot of family and friends that listen, um, other people that don't go to Northport Baptist. How can those people be involved in this kingdom work of church planting with us? I mean, not necessarily going and being a part of a plant team. Now, I don't want to take that off the table because anybody that wants to go, come on. But aside from that, what are some ways that people could get involved in in what God is doing through Northport Baptist? Well, multiple ways, but here's the first thing I would say. If they're a part of a church, wherever they live, wherever they are, they need to encourage their church to be a multiplying church and yeah. to get outside themselves rather than looking internal and focusing on their little kingdom, whatever that little kingdom looks like, and look at the kingdom of God and get their church on board with planting churches. Now, they might not be like us. They might not be ascending church, but they can come alongside us and they can support our church plants by doing mission trips or by helping financially or through prayer support or just individual like pastoral ministry care support of our planners that we're sending out. I mean, there's a litany of ways they can help, but I, again, it's bigger than them. <laughs> it's about the kingdom. And if they get their right. churches involved in the kingdom and see, yeah, we got to be doing more. And so I first say, go to your church and get your church plugged in and get them bought into the idea that, yeah, we've got to do more than what we're doing because we're not really making an impact. We're just adding by addition rather than multiplication. And so that would be number one. But yeah. my probably the one thing I would say more than even that is they got to pray and pray for you and pray for Northport Baptist and what we're trying to do and pray for the church plants because, I mean, anything else we do without prayer is futile. And I always right. go back to Matthew 9 for that. And at the end of Matthew 9, the Bible talks about Jesus is going around all over Galilee and he's preaching and he's teaching and he's healing, doing the stuff he does. And then he just, almost like he stops just out of the middle of nowhere because he sees the crowds. It says the crowds, not a crowd, but the crowds. And then the Bible says he has compassion for them. And that word in English doesn't do justice to what the Greek's trying to say there. But, I mean, it's literally Jesus is kind of racked with pain. He's bent over and his just gut is in knots because he is just sees those people. And he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. And then, of course, in my mind, well, what does Jesus say to do? He says, you should say, go reach the lost. Mm. But that's not what he says. He turns to the disciples and he says, man, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray. Don't go tell them about Jesus. Don't go meet their needs. Pray. And he says, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest to send out more workers. Hmm. And so that makes zero sense to me and my type A personality. But the reason we're to pray is because when we pray, we're not changing God's heart. God doesn't change. But when we pray, God changes our heart. 
Mm. And the workers that he sends out are those who are on their knees praying. And so when you pray for Phoenix, when you pray for Buckeye, when you pray for the lostness around the world, you better be ready because God's going to be the one. You're going to be the one that God sends out. Mm. And so if you can't do anything else, I don't care. Pray because that's the most important thing we can ever do. Yeah. So on that idea of prayer and, and praying for the plant, is there any specifics that you might can give us about praying not only for the, the church plant, this church plant, church plants in the future, but also for NBC as a sending church? I mean, what are some some prayer needs there? Well, I'll, I'll kind of start there. I mean, as you just pray for us as a sending church, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but I mean, we need more people going out. <laughs> I mean, right. you have a team going with you but then we're going to do the same thing after you. And so our prayer is that more people go out. So we need God to send more people here so we can send more people out. That's the way we define success, not by how many butts we can have in a seat on Sunday morning, but how many feet we can have on the mission field, whether it be in Phoenix or whether it be in China or wherever. So pray that God would send people here who aren't, they're just not ready to sit in a church and soak and sour, but they're ready to get out with the gospel and do whatever they can to reach people for the kingdom. So pray yeah. for those people who got to send those people here. I mean, we always need resources to do what we're doing. I mean, it just takes resources to plant churches. So pray God would just supernaturally supply that. And then just pray for our unity because I mean, mm-hmm. Satan doesn't want us planting churches. Satan doesn't want us reaching unreached people groups in North Africa and Southeast Asia. So he'll try to disrupt that any way he can. So, just pray supernaturally for our unity and our protection here at Northport Baptist and that God would never let us turn a blind eye to those who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And pray for you too. Uh, You've got the hard job of following along with what God's called you to do and finding the next uh, college pastor, finding the next church planter. So pray for you too for strength as you lead the church and lead this uh, drive on to planting churches. I know that's a and lot. And to be sensitive. And, I mean, really, and to be sensitive to what else God wants to do. Because, again, I don't think God's limiting this to Phoenix and to North America. <laughs> I mean, I think we can plant churches worldwide. So being sensitive to those opportunities, both here locally and globally, and not to miss what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. So just to help pray for my sensitivity to that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, John, thank you so much again for taking the time to share with us today. I'm thankful to have you as uh, a pastor, a mentor, a brother in Christ, and a friend. I really can't imagine doing this any other way. So I really appreciate you uh, taking the time today to share with us. Well, I love you. Proud of you, man. Just excited what God's going to do. I can't wait. Just sit back and watch. Yes, sir. Well, hey, look, I love you too. Thank you to our listeners for spending time with us again and for praying with us as we continue down this road that is church planting. Be on the lookout for episode six, which will be out soon. God bless, and we'll talk to you shortly. 